When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I stumbled upon a piece of paper that was left in Coach's office, and they had three team goals. And one of them was unity, the other one was accountability, and the other one was mindset. We reviewed that in every single meeting that we had. And I said, well, I said, unity. I said, they really, I feel like what happens is as they get later in the season, the seniors start to go their way, and the freshmen start to just try to make it through. I said, I don't know if I'm getting that right now. I said, way to build unity. Let the seniors take a lot more of a role, right? Mindset. I was like, all right. So in order to change the mindset of this thing, I'm going to have to actually put them in play a little bit more and challenge them. And if I'm going to challenge them, i got to figure out what they like and what they don't like. And then obviously the accountability piece. And the accountability thing with them, which I figured out, was they were their goal was accountability. But the accountability wasn't just with each other. It was also for us. And I wanted them to hold us accountable for what we did. I met Coach Vince Digitano in 2017, and I talk about the game and coaching with him often. He's been a repeat guest on the podcast and we will link those episodes in the show notes. He's now an assistant coach at Fordham University. He has an intense passion for tackling and studies it better than anyone I know. I feel comfortable calling him the foremost expert on tackling in the game. However, he has incredible ideas outside of the tackling realm, and in this episode from the archives from 2018, he shared the ideas he implemented as the head coach of SUNY Maritime when he took over the program just five days before fall camp opened. I want to point out that he accomplished this also while holding down his day job of being a principal of multiple schools in the Bronx. He was forced to take a coach-on-the-fly approach, but the extreme situation led him to some insight on coaching and some incredible ideas, which we share from our archives again here today. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. I I believe I heard it from the first time for you that the players write the practice plan. Are you the one who shared that with me first? That's what you say all the time? That's me. 
you know, when I talk about the players writing the practice plan, I think there's a lot of drills and stuff you can find on YouTube. I think ultimately, like their ability and what their challenges are when you grade it out and you grade out really skills-based stuff is we really start to see what their limitations are. And, and there's there's a couple of reasons, you know, there's a couple of basic reasons. I'm sure you can expand on it from there, but there's basic reasons why somebody is not able to perform. It's it's because they're in a bad position or because they haven't been in that position or, or they haven't been in that position they're not familiar with it before. So one of the things we try to do is we try to stay to pretty much our core fundamentals everywhere that I've been. No different here and in the short period of time that we had, but just figure out what is the actual core fundamentals that they have and uh, that they have to perform and how do they get to that place? And so a space is always a big thing. The VDA stuff and the vision, decision and action stuff and coupling that with like what Richie's done, especially really taking advantage of like that whole idea, that whole fight mentality and that fight to track. We kind of couple those things together and say, we're getting you to this point to perform this aggressive action. Like, what are the things in between you and that point that, that are in the way? And like, we almost kind of like have a saying, we kind of like walk the path of what that is. And if we walk the path of what that is and say like, let's think about this, let's think about what we're asking this, you know, 18 year old, 19 year old to do base. We're asking their eyes to be over here, their body to be over here, them to work around here and then work back in this position. It's like, it's a lot to ask sometimes. And you start to say to yourself, like, have you ever like actually walked that path before we actually run that path? And then, and then we do it bit by bit and we compartmentalize the thing into areas that we can kind of like fundamentally get to. And sometimes it really just does, does come down to our ability to go ahead, put their body in a position that they're familiar with. One of the things like with Richie working with him on, on the thigh board tackle stuff and elbow low stuff and when it goes down to the lower level, even when we were at Wagner when we first met with Rich, was like we looked at from the fact that everything we talked about running our feet was about our chest and our eyes being being up and being square. But now we're asking you to lean over. So that's when we put the swoop drive drill together, it was just a matter of being able to lean on something and press forward in a sprinter type stance and actually fight your feet to accelerate and actually guide something unweighted forward. And we had incredible challenges with it. But a couple of times there's just total unfamiliarity. But you're asking somebody to run their feet. But like every drill we had to run our feet, we had them vertical with their hips higher, their shoulders square, and we never had their shoulders down and their eyes having to be up at the same time. We actually now infuse that into our Monday conditioning, which was totally different. So that's a station now in our Monday conditioning for every player because now it's just a fundamental skill that we're going to actually ask them to do is be in, a, in an unfamiliar, I shouldn't say bad body position, unfamiliar body position and actually generate force and power and accelerate. So we just do it on a daily basis now and we infuse it into the, into the um, strength program as well. And infusing these things into especially now as we get into the postseason, some of your postseason things, that there's some fundamental movement skills that you can incorporate into your strength and conditioning program and not violate, you know, I know NCAA has a ton of rules, states have rules, not violate any rules in terms of teaching directly football skills, but really it is. It's teaching the elements of something that's important, getting your body in the right position to make a tackle. It depends. Some places you end up with a full-time strength staff. So obviously there's that, there's that component. And some places you end up with people that are strength, you know, running your strength that are also position coaches. And regardless of what it is, they have to have input because they have, they have, you know, and I learned and working with a number of strength coaches over the years, like they have a philosophy 
And not all the philosophies are just the same. It's not just go to the weight room. You know, like sometimes coaches do think that way. They say, well, that, that that's not my area. Like sometimes they treat it like special teams too. They're just like, oh, that's special teams. And they kind of like, I'm just going to, there's a real defined, like everybody has a philosophy like in that too. So you have to obviously respect the difference in philosophy from one strength coach to the next. And then, speak to them about like i'm looking for them to get here like we have to generate power and generate force here but what can we do and in some places like with coach Vargo or at like wagner when he researched he researched certain sleds for like off-season conditioning and you went out for like summer workout and like he ended up with like hey look we put these in place because these will assist us in like our ability to put a body position in your fight to accelerate you know they did tire flips sometimes at the end of practice instead of conditioning to generate that force on dip time you know, on, on stuff like that. But again, and it was crossover skills. It kind of makes you look at like everybody's skill set and blocking and tackling and, and the basic fundamentals of, of like really all of football. But even when we were here, it was areas where we looked at even on a Monday condition, we changed our Monday conditioning from straight line running to the ability to have a little bit of a, um, a, of a rotational kind of skill set. And one of the things we do is like the fourth quarter drill type of thing where it's like, we're going to put you in the position that you're going to be most, fatigue at the end of a game and we're just going to continuously have to rep that position so everything from running hoops everything from jumps everything from wall balls anything that we can think of cones ladder drills things like that where we have to remain shoulder square we have to remain fundamental everything like swoop drive we put that all in together in those rotations and then make it obviously competitive and there's a team-based thing with it too so it's not just that straight line running like we have to do 25 sprints on a monday just for quote-unquote conditioning but there was the heart rate got up and the players played a little bit harder they were with their position group so they were like-minded people so it wasn't about like i'm going to watch the little guys run and the big guys are going to like kind of like half run behind them on like a monday run like we traditionally have done so we changed all of that, and again, their input is in, is incredibly important because that's their area expertise. Those worlds have to merge together because you can't just say, "Well, it's not my problem; that's that's theirs." That's ultimately what has that synergy with everything that you do. And it also, and then another thing too, in the short period of time that we had at this place, it's able to bring the team together. It was able to really get their feedback of what worked and what didn't work. And player surveys helped us improve our strength program like right away. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. You talked a a little bit about the player surveys and that being a great tool for you. Again, you're learning this team. I mean, on the fly, you've had no off season with these guys. You have new staff members in mixed with old staff members. You have all kinds of different dynamics and you felt that some of the in season surveys you were doing and feedback you were getting were critical for you guys to keep things on track. 
Yeah, and you know, one of the things we found was you don't know what people think about you because you only know about you. And if you feel like you're an approachable person, maybe you're not as approachable as you think. So one of the things is that every year, traditionally at Maritime and at other programs you've been to, you always do like a postseason survey. You usually do something, what would you would you like, what didn't you like, what would you change, all that other stuff. And you take it into account and you reflect on the season. One of the things that I kind of came to with, with this really, really dynamic group was I was like, why would I wait till the end of the season to improve my program? <laughs> like that really makes no sense. Like I have an ability right now. I think we're at that point where we were two and two, maybe three and two, right at the midpoint of the season. And I said, we have an opportunity here in the real dog days. Like when it gets into October, we have a real opportunity, a genuine opportunity to improve our program now. And I had 23 seniors that I had inherited from the previous year who were dynamic in what they did in their leadership. And I said, why wouldn't I let want them to be more of this process? Like, and I stumbled upon a piece of paper that was left in coach's office and they had three team goals. And one of them was unity. The other one was accountability. And the other one was mindset. We reviewed that in every single meeting that we had. And I said, well, I said, unity. I said, they really, I feel like what happened is as they get later in the season, the seniors start to go their way and the freshmen start to just try to make it through. I said, I don't know if I'm getting that right now. I said, way to build unity. Let the seniors take a lot more of a role, right? Mindset. I was like, all right. So in order to change the mindset of this thing, I'm going to have to actually put them in play a little bit more and challenge them. And if I'm going to challenge them, I got to figure out what they like and what they don't like. And then obviously the accountability piece and the accountability thing with them, which I figured out was they were, their goal was accountability, but the accountability wasn't just with each other. It was also for us. And I wanted them to hold us accountable for what we did because one of the things that we did was we grade them pretty, pretty strongly. We grade them pretty tough when it comes to some of this stuff. We ask a lot of them, but they never had an opportunity to grade us. And I said, then this is a different kind of generation. There's a two-way street here. So what we did was we allowed to open up an open forum, and it was go ahead and grade us. And we found out things, and we went to the staff room, and we made a list. Everything from you talk too much. Okay. So I had to talk less. And one of the things, the reason it's, one of the ways I talked less was I let the seniors talk. And they, they talked a lot more, and it, it got more mileage out of the football team. So one of the things that we were able to do by doing it was get so much feedback. We just made a list and every day, just like we we started the program about making sure that things were at a top level. We just kind of almost redid that from the beginning of the season because things have moved so fast over the first like seven or eight weeks that we almost like reinstituted some stuff for the season. We changed lifting schedules for them, like this, you know, different things in pregame that they wanted. I mean, there was things that you would never think of that you're sitting there going, I, I forgot about that. Like, like maybe one time I skipped something and it was like, I just kind of like skipped it from there on in. So you're like, Ooh, I didn't realize that, but they realized that. And that's, what's important. It's their team. So by doing it in season, it was helpful. And then one of the things we actually instituted was we instituted a vote for like assistant coach of the week. And the players got to vote for which coach and they gave comments as to why they thought somebody was assistant coach of the week. And it was a morale builder for our staff because it's, a, it's tough. It's not easy to coach football for, for that many weeks sometimes. And it wears on you. And, you know, it was helpful for our players to be able to vote for coaches of the week and, and assistant coach. And when they did it, guess what? We have morale in our office improved because guys were like, hey, congrats on being coach of the week, being recognized by something there. So we're human beings. We want to be recognized for what we do. And coach that's not always calling the plays or the head coach that's doing the phone interview or something like that isn't the one that's always going to get recognized. So we, and we put it out publicly in social media. So people felt a little bit better and they worked a little bit harder because they saw some end games. They supported each other a little bit more. So, 
you know, it's just, again, it, it was just about building those things up. Now I'm actually in a place where we're doing our postseason. We're getting ready to do our postseason surveys. And I actually sent the same. I said, what do I ask? I said, I'm going to ask the same things we asked in midseason and compare them. And, 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 like, that's really where we're at. So we'll hopefully have some improvements off that. But we couldn't take a wait till next year kind of philosophy on that or make a notebook and say, we'll change it when it gets when, when, the, when the new group comes in. These guys worked too hard for that. So we wanted to make sure to really give them the most we can give them. I love the concept, Coach. And I was wondering if we'd be able to get maybe a, an example of that in-season survey and maybe even what the, the ballot looks like for the staff member of the week. I think those are two unique things that we haven't seen before. If you'd be able to share something with our listeners, I think sure. they'd appreciate it. So we'll put, great, we'll put that up on show notes. Yeah, and it's as simple as taking, like, Google Forms and just saying, who's the assistant coach of the week, and put the coach's name up and comment. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Just as simple as that, and then be able to have a graph there. But the number of guys that will walk by the office and go, hey, uh, how's the voting going? <laughs> 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 like, like, they care. <laughs> they care. They definitely care. <laughs> I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas State champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com demo and mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. We got off a little on a tangent here, but I thought really interesting things you're sharing with us in, in the approach to the season. And again, I think it's something you learn by really having to hit the accelerator from day one and be able to, to get your program moving. So I think a lot of great ideas there. But we mentioned the player writing the practice plan. And really what we wanted to talk about today is kind of the aspect of the opponent writes a practice plan as well. And you did a great job this season. And dig into the, the tackling and manipulating drills to fit each weekly opponent. And, and again, it was something where we're looking at skill and ability because we had to, over the past couple of years, and really kind of getting some depth with Richie and with you, Andy, we had come not only familiar in having multiple seasons, whether it's spring, summer, and fall, to be able to see what the actual abilities of our players were. So we were actually doing skill evaluation at the same time too. So, and infusing a program and teaching at the same time as well. So, I mean, the biggest thing was, it was no different than anywhere else was not to, and and this is actually interesting with the two, because a couple, both things together, a lot of people, we actually did a reverse something when it comes to contact too. A lot of people get to this point where they have, you know, heavy padded days and they have stuff in camp and they actually go one way. Right. And then in the course of the season, um, and then when they get to a certain point, people start to debate about when to take the pads off and when to reduce contact. We actually flipped that model. So what happened was because we were introducing a lot of sk- a lot of new skills to it, we spent a lot of time almost um, like in less pads early in the season. But the remarkable thing is as the season went on, probably about week five, week six, we actually increased pads and increased contacts because we were like on the flip side of the model. Because And we felt good because we spent more time – more time probably teaching 
and less time with contact early. And once we got that rhythm going, we felt much better with contact. We're probably in a much safer place when it came to contact because our contact was much more fluent. So, and and coupled with it, I felt that we were more physical as the season went on than by comparison to the early in the season, just because we had gotten used to being so much faster to contact with it too. So those were some of like the big the big ticket items. But the other thing too was we would look at you know. Like anything else, it's, it's always footwork first for me. So it's always about how can they get to body control from different areas. And we don't spend a lot of time with our down linemen and trying to like a lot of spatial stuff. Do not, I really am not a big supporter of that. We do a lot of restricted stuff, a lot of one-arm restricted stuff, a lot of hoop stuff off of that too. So we do that, and that was one of our, our main focal points there. So that was new, a little new for them. We had done some in the past with them, but really nobody was there had done that before, so we did some of that. And then a lot of the other stuff was about like fitting into scheme about spatial stuff, and it was about working together where your support was going to be. And again, it goes back to a little bit of footwork. It came back to like the near foot footwork. One of the things we actually did was because you end up with, this is actually something interesting too, was when we were teaching a lot of tackling stuff at the early stages of camp, we would put our upperclassmen in the groups right that were there. In our lower classmen, we actually did fundamental tackling with, so one, tackling one-on-one. So, like, our freshmen did not go into groups because our, our lines were generally longer. And one of the things that happened was, especially in coordinators and offensive coach, so I pulled a special teams coordinator for the tackling circuit, and he worked with every kid that was pretty much we kind of put into the category of, like, needing fundamental skills. Basically, most of it was freshmen, but the majority of it freshmen and then probably developmental guys. So we had a developmental unit there that was there too, that they did their own tackling drills as not to, to be able to catch up. And when we saw them actually start to improve, then we infused them into the regular groups. And then it also gave that special teams coordinator opportunity to see some younger guys and see what they can actually handle, especially in space to potentially use down the road too. And actually, matter of fact, I think four or five of them actually ended up on a variety of special teams during the course of the season, which was helpful and kind of, reducing some of the plays that our starters had to take down the road. But it was really, really like, helpful when it came to like that stuff. But again, it comes back to being able to look at the one-on-ones of it too. One of the things too, not having a pad at spring practice, was I, con- I constantly, constantly, constantly looked at an area of evaluation and constantly looked at an area of development for our younger guys. So if there was any opportunity for them to get live reps versus each other at the end of a practice, if there's any opportunity for them to compete, we want we almost infuse the two things together because you don't get that opportunity to put them in pads again until next August. So we wanted to get them as much as possible involved and not just let them be standing there and doing nothing. So to get their own isolated area, to be able to compete with somebody at the same general skill level was really like being able to do that because it's like really having the winter, spring, and summer season all in one kind of there that was one of the things too when i had to get the coordinators especially too because everybody wants to be able to have the answer almost like the parent wants to answer the question for the child and it was just like back off guys just back off let them go because that's exactly what it is because when it comes down push comes to shove they're telling you what play they're comfortable with they're telling you what their what what their philosophy is when push comes to shove it's like when they're backed up that's the blitz they want to run. <laughs> That's what they want to run. That's what they want. So figure out a way, keep that in the back of your mind because you may not have that play, but you may have to look at what a version of that play is because that's what they're going to be. That's what they want. That's what their mind is telling them, their body's telling them. And you, it's not about us always being right. It's about us working together to get the right answer. So, so it's like, so I try to 
kind of infuse that at all times. And I tell them sometimes you have to learn by watching and not by doing as coaches too. So, I mean, you watch them naturally. The other thing too is for me is um, at the end of the season uh, with all the little scrimmage we had, one of our Monday nights, we actually canceled conditioning and we actually had a, uh, we called it a futures game. So we allowed our, our developmental kids to play against each other. Like in a game, we ain't made a big deal. It was game jerseys and everything. And like, we actually had guest coaches from the campus, representatives from the faculty, representatives from the administration, be that guest head coaches, music, the whole nine flags, the whole thing. Video, it made, really made it their night too. And it was something that was remarkable for them to be able to have that experience, especially in Division Three, when they have to make some decisions at an academic school about moving forward with their football career. There's something that they can say that they, they enjoyed that was there too. And they'll bring them back for a little bit more. Because I, I the one thing I pledge, I've always pledged at the, at the place we're at now, um, the number one recruit that we have is, the, is we already have that kid. Like, not the kid that's in high school right now. We have to continuously recruit every single year that same kid back. And if we're just going ahead and making an experience that's not enjoyable for them, we're not doing a great job as recruiters. Because if you have a four-year Division three player who's going to graduate, that does remarkably more for your program than bringing in new people every single year. The development side is so important. You know, just listening to some of the ways you do that, the groups that you pull out, it reminded me, I think of it in schools, like we do that where, and I mean, there's there's some controversy to it, whether that's the right thing to do or not, but, you know, you, you group kids according to their ability so that you can give them the support you need. And sometimes that's within a classroom, sometimes, you know, that's separate, but the idea is you're servicing those kids to the best of your ability. So to be able to pull kids out and like you said, have a coach who's going to step off to the side, get them to where they need to be rather than just throwing them into the same pace and in the same teaching as everybody else, I think is huge and shows the commitment to developing those guys that you're just not a, a number uh, you're not somebody who we're going to recruit, and whether you succeed or not is on you. We're going to continue to develop you through the process. And coaches, too, because I also had a – the coach I had was a uh, special teams coordinator. He was an offensive coach. He never taught tackling before. Mm-hmm. So so to be able to work with to work with the players was key, too, because he had coaching points. It was the first time he ever did it to that kind of a level. And the drills were form-fit for – well, we wanted spatial stuff, you know, using the noodles using things like that where they had to go ahead and have some timing and accuracy inside of there and it really start to infuse. And the other thing too was don't overcoach and try to get everything in a day, but and introduce things at the right time when mastery happened was like key too for different people. And uh, and just being passionate about it. I mean like really, really passionate about it. Like making it important. I think that's you know, there's a lot of people that talk about tackling and there's a lot of people that talk about like just our fundamentals in general, but no different from like Steve over at Siasi over at you know FIU was a close friend of mine. Like he's passionate about offensive line play and often and, and different different fundamentals inside of there. Like you know the reality is you have your passion has to show in what you're teaching. You can't just be like, well, we have to do this thing. And I'm like, I really like to talk about it. Like, but like it's just like I, yeah, I get known for like sometimes with comes to the tackling piece of it too. But you just you really do have to be involved. You have to really love it though, and you have to be able to go ahead and love it, all the aspects of it too, just to kind of. And that's got to show. It just can't be a thing that you do. And they, that's what gets them to believe in it, too. So, I mean, that's just kind of like my two cents on that whole deal. And then kind of like as the season progressed, then you start to look at the opponent. And we just recently had a triple option opponent, unbelievably coached team. The two teams that we faced, that, three teams, I should say, that we faced that run triple option have managed to take a rule, a cut rule, that is pretty much anti what they do, 
and be able to manage that role to coach it so well that it's not a penalty and be and do a phenomenal job with it. So, you know, we had to prepare our players to cut and to cut. And the other thing too is with, with that being said, we had to stay in position in that low position and not pop back up. Like you have to almost stay dipped inside the extended dip time and be able to accelerate through. So, you know, we drilled that coming week, you know, we're not hundred percent on it, but we put our players in the best position possible to be able to be successful. That's what we're most proud of. Film will show that we got cut out a few times in a game like that, but they get the coach too. But I can tell you the one thing we're proud of is that we actually put them in the right position to be able to defend it. And they just didn't, they were prepared for it. But again, looking at it, you had to reteach and say like, yeah, you're not popping back up and then popping back down. You have to accelerate right through that thing and stay in that position and go. And again, it goes back to training from the eyes all the way through the hands and the feet and then being able to get to those fundamentals. When you're looking at practice structure and we're talking about the specific opponent, what, what types of things are you going to look at to adjust those drills to make them specific to an opponent? For example, you know, I think, think back to a team I had. We were a heavy stretch team, right? So if you were practicing kind of downhill tackles all week long, you almost wasted your time if, if you were our opponent. But when I think of kind of how not just tackling gets practiced, but we get into you know, what we call everyday drills – that we we don't necessarily tweak things and set them up to be specific for that particular week for the things we're going to see. So for you, what's the process? How do you start to look at that from set of drills through your practice periods and, and bringing everything together? It's kind of a weird thing that I do, and it takes a little while sometimes, but you get used to it after a while, is I try to – one of the things I do with tackling is I actually I take every one of our players that's lined up and I draw an arrow – all the directions that we're asking him to go on the base fundamental, like the five to six base fundamental plays that they're going to play. So I draw an arrow in all directions and I start with that in there. I mark off. Usually I mark off who's going to potentially be in their way and what type of block are they going to throw? And then I look at potentially what the contact, I believe the contact would be, whether it be an inside shoulder, outside shoulder working from there that could do that for run. And I do that for pass. Basically, it's basically what I do based on what they do. And I just designed it off of that. And it really just comes back to, the, to some fundamental things. It's always going to be spacing first. How much space do they have to cover? What's the obstruction that's in the way, right? And then how much time is it going to be afforded for them to get into position and, and to get their body into position? And what body position can I predict that they're going to be in? Is it going to be from the chest to like the waist? Is it going to be from the waist to the thigh board? Or is it going to be like an ankle tap where it's going to be from the knee down to the uh, – down to like the feet is basically there too. And we kind of look at that. And sometimes when we infuse the noodle drills, we do it basically because we might play something where we feel like we're going to get a lot of quick game. We're going to have corners in space and they're going to evade them. And that's what we're going to end up with. Or we end up with something where we're going to get a power team and we're going to do a little bit more one arm tear size type stuff with the inside backers, because we're going to have to press a lot of backs uh, blocks and we're going to have to go ahead and spill a lot of things. And we're going to end up with somebody on top of us. So I think, that all gets kind of designed from there. And then one of the things we do on every, I guess you could say Thursday or Friday, our last contact day is we do team tackling drill, which I've like posted in the past too, where everybody has a repetition of like an obscurity. So we do that for two days. We'll do the ones that we predict. And then one day we get an obscurity kind of thing. So the obscurities usually are for the, for like the linebackers, a lot of stuff where it's uh, over the middle type stuff. And we want to go ahead and get that dip time. We're doing like, for the most part, a lot of that stuff is penalty avoidance. 
So we, with, it's rules-based stuff on like one day a week. So And we do it all together and we try to get as many reps as possible. We do a five-minute period of team tackle. We film it. Everybody goes at one time. We almost see where we are spatially on the field together to do it. And that that's helpful too because the safeties do a lot of stuff where we do targeting. I was most proud we didn't have any targeting this year, no targeting penalties, because we do rep that every single week. Every ball in the air, they throw a lot. So one of the things is too, we want to make sure to lower our levels. We do we review that at least once a week where we go back into all the stuff, the ball in the air stuff, and especially with the with the linebackers on the crossers, everything like that. So we do go through that once a week. And then we do um, the hoop stuff off of that for the defensive line once a week with that something they may not see. But for the most part, we're going to do something where it's predictability based off of it. Um, if it's going to be a, a veer release team, we're going to end up like playing off the block for like a, for like a defensive lineman. You know, like I said, as a power team, we're going to do a work off of pressing blocks. If it's a, an option team, we're going to work off of cuts. It's just all of that stuff is really going to be like, what's the obstruction? And then what do we end up with it? And especially with how much time are we going to have to put our body in position and what positions our body going to be in? And then that, that really goes back to like the in-season piece. And then we grade it, and then we look back at it, and then we kind of see if we were right or we were wrong, and then kind of just go week by week on it too. And then one of the things that for me, especially with the last couple of years, maybe not as much this year just because I had to like watch everything, but for the last couple of years, you kind of, when you do something with tackle predictability for me, and you don't get the people in the position, you learn right away that they're doing something in scheme that's not what you expected. And a lot of times I look at so much points of contact I can probably tell them, like, why is that person blocking that person? That there's something different that's happening. And I probably look back schematically more by tackling, by doing that over the last couple of years, just because I can, because I'm looking and seeing, like, why a person's making a tackle to where they are on the field. Like, I didn't predict that that was going to happen. So there's a reason why it's happening, because I know the kid's ability. So I know the player's ability. So I know he could probably get to where he had to get to, but why is he out there? And they're doing something. They're doing something that's different. So it kind of like helps you look at that from a, from a, even from a, uh, a scheme standpoint, be able to provide that feedback for the in-game adjustments that you have to make. Here are our winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. One, the idea of the players write the practice plan is about being in tune with the strengths, weaknesses, and needs of your players. I thought Coach Digitano did a great job in utilizing that idea as he explained throughout the podcast and how the focus really was on his own players and their development before they even looked at how that applied to scheme and the opponent. From paying attention to the main goals the players agreed upon before he took over, to being able to bring developmental players and freshmen up to speed with a different approach to conditioning, the focus on the players helped Maritime have a successful season in spite of the extreme circumstances of a coaching change just five days before camp. Two, Most coaching staffs will have a post-season evaluation process in which the players go through different aspects of the program and provide feedback so that the staff can work on improving their coaching. It's productive because the insight gained from those evaluations is useful and players are usually honest about what they share. By doing this in season, the benefits Coach Diggs shared were numerous. From players feeling ownership in the process to the morale of the staff, this helped them improve over the course of the season and improve the chemistry of the team and staff. Taking this approach immediately showed the players that the staff was willing to hear them. That was a huge step in building trust. Three, name a staff member of the week. I love this idea from Coach Dig. What really sticks out to me is what 
Coach Digitano said about every human having a need for recognition. Of course, that's true. We name all kinds of players of the week in our program, from scout team to lifter to offense, defense, special teams. So why not let the players recognize the work of a coach? It raises a standard just like our POW programs do with our players. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes, resources like Coach Digitano's 3C's tackling system, one which I highly recommend. In addition, we have articles and our winning edge takeaways detailed in text. Also sign up for our free weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.